What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Happy Thanksgiving and happy belated Thanksgiving to all of you who are listening and tuning in this week. I want to say what a time it is to be a Buffalo Bills fan. We're absolutely going to talk about the Bills game on Thanksgiving, Josh Allen's first primetime game of his career. We're also going to do a little bit about the toughness and greediness in the NHL in the second segment. So stick around. This one is going to be a good one. Before we start this podcast, I want to take a quick time out to say thank you to everyone who has listened to me and continues to listen to me on a weekly basis. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, I want you to share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, or anybody you know that enjoys sports talk about Buffalo. Let them know that they can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, on Anchor. If you want to contact me at all, you can get at me at my email, which is sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at sportstalkbuff1. That's sportstalkbuff1 on Twitter to find out the latest news and notes from the show and also my opinions on a lot of the things that are going on in and around sports in general. Again, thank you all for listening. So let's keep this podcast growing and keep the ball rolling. So if you're ready, let's jump right into it. All right, I want to jump right into things in this segment and talk about the Buffalo Bills being 9-3 and for the first time since 1996 when the Bills finished 10-6. and Hopefully they finish a little bit better than that this time. But the Bills with a huge win on Thanksgiving in front of the, the primetime crowd there at 4.30 right after people are done eating dinner. My goodness, I got to tell you, it was a very, very fun and entertaining game to watch on Thanksgiving. And I am glad the Bills played their most complete game of football in primetime so that the Bills team, defense, offense, special teams, they can all get a little bit more credit, the credit that they do deserve for playing so well this year. I want to start out and say I am glad the Bills won because there were a lot of ticky-tack penalties against the Bills. Normally, I like to try to stay very neutral and kind of try not to be more of a fan. I try to, you know, look at things objectively, but man, there were some really bad calls in this game. I'm going to brief over them real quick. The first one, the first go around here is... Trey White got two illegal contact penalties early in the football game. Both of them were very, very iffy penalties. Both players were hand fighting on the play on both plays. I did not agree with either of those calls. Also, if you call the hit that Jordan Phillips had on the Dallas Cowboys uh, early in the game, you have to call the late hit after Josh Allen gives himself up on the slide You cannot call one and not the other. You have to be consistent. Also, Star Latulale got called on a very uh, iffy hands to the face. It looked like the referee was already throwing his flag before 
he even touched Dak Prescott. Now, maybe it happened to the offensive lineman earlier on the play. They only showed one replay. They didn't show it from start to finish. So maybe it happened earlier on the play. But if it was against Dak Prescott, it was a very, very bad call. Now, however, the Bills did get a very good call in the fourth quarter that set them up for, I believe it was a field goal, uh, a play on the left sideline. Dawson Knox, the ball was a little bit underthrown. It was a back shoulder throw. Knox, Knox tried to come back into the ball. Was uh, you know The defender didn't turn around and look for the ball, and I think that's what they called, but uh, it was kind of a good call. It, it went the Bills' way. They could have not called it. You know, it was a, that was one of those iffy plays. So the Bills were benefited with that call at least later on in the game. So overall, it, it was a very poor game for the referees. Uh, again, you know, I know this game is very fast, but some of these calls were just so bad. It, it, it was almost unbearable uh, sometimes. But again, I'm glad the Bills won the game so that this doesn't have to be a very huge topic of conversation throughout the rest of the week. Now on to Josh Allen. Josh Allen is growing before our very eyes, and it is awesome to watch. It is so awesome to watch Josh Allen grow and become a more complete passer. Several times he had the pocket collapsing around him, and he made plays. He made he didn't just make plays and just chuck it up and hope that his you know his receiver would come down with it. He made very sound, solid plays. Drive after drive, third down after third down. It was awesome to watch. Josh Allen in this game had, in my opinion, his best game as a pro. And he didn't fold under the pressure. And he did it in prime time. Allen finished the game 19 of 24 for 231 yards. One touchdown. He also had 10 carries for 43 yards, and added another touchdown on the ground. Josh Allen did not throw an interception, and it didn't look like he even came close to throwing an interception. As I just stated, he consistently made plays on third down that kept drives alive and kept the offense moving, something that he had struggled with early in the year, but it seems like he's starting to get it. He's starting to understand That on third and three, you don't need a big play. You just need three yards. He had several of those in this game where it was third and three, third and five, third and eight, where he just made the right decision, the right play, and it really benefited the offense, and he had a very solid stat line after the game. Allen, people talk about how Allen is incredibly inaccurate, And, you know, you get pressure on him and, you know, he'll throw the ball up and throw it this way and that way. And he misses his receivers. Can we get rid of that, that narrative now? Josh Allen threw for 79% in this game. He finished 79% completion percentage. He kept making great plays, not just in the pocket, but on the run. He had a fantastic play uh, early in the game. He's uh, running or rushing to his right. He spots Cole Beasley in between two defenders. Beasley makes a nice play to get open for Josh Allen. Josh Allen fires him a laser, and it is a touchdown for Buffalo to tie the game. That throw was incredible. If you watch it from the end zone camera behind Josh Allen, you can see 
how good of a throw that was. It was a, it was between two defenders, and it was just, mwah, it was a beautiful throw. And throws like that are, are what I think could potentially make Josh Allen a special quarterback in the NFL. And that wasn't even Josh Allen's best play of the game. In my opinion, Josh Allen's best play came on a fourth and inches, fourth and one play earlier in the game. He is going for a quarterback sneak. He drops the exchange from the center. He has the wherewithal to pick the ball up and still grind out a first down that play is something I have never seen in almost three decades of watching the NFL. It was just an incredible play, and I hope that he gets the recognition for that play that he deserves. It was just mind-bogglingly good. It was so good of a play, and it was an important play for the Buffalo Bills in that game. It kept the drive moving and allowed the Bills to score points. Huge play for Josh Allen. Just absolutely huge. And it was that kind of game for him all game long. He played unbelievable when it was uh, when the lights were on him and it was time to shine. Josh Allen shined through. We're going to move on to uh, Devin Singletary, who had another solid game. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, I was very critical of picking Devin Singletary in the third round. I thought the Bills had other needs that they needed to address, but boy, oh boy, was I wrong. Devin Singletary is the truth. Devin Singletary followed up his 100-yard performance with a very solid game in this one. He he carried the ball 14 times for 63 yards. He, he also had three receptions for 38 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown catch was off of a trick play, a double reverse pass from John Brown, and there was nobody near Devin Singletary, and he was able to waltz into the end zone, and that was after, that was the very next play after Josh Allen makes that very special play on fourth down. The Bills come back with that play, and it was incredible. That put the Bills up 13-7. to that was an unbelievable play. It was a great play call by Daybold. He doesn't, you know, he didn't get a lot of credit early in the year. He 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 had some struggle play calling, but I think moving him up into the booth is really allowing him to see the whole field better and allowing him to call the game for Josh Allen a lot better and it has showed the last few weeks. Cole Beasley comes back to Dallas. A lot of people wondered why Cole Beasley would want to leave Dallas. You know, they they had more winning teams than the Bills over the last several years. Of course, the Bills have not been a very good team over the last few years. And, you know, the last, I don't want to say 20 years, I should say. The Bills have not been a very good franchise. But Cole Beasley makes the decision to sign with the Buffalo Bills. And after signing with the Bills, there was a lot of hate for him on Twitter and things like that. They said, well, why would you go to Buffalo? You know, you're going to lose a lot in Buffalo. And his response was something to the effect of, well, we didn't win that much in Dallas anyway, so I guess I won't be that disappointed. You know, really kind of sticking it to his old team. And guess what? He came out in this game and he balled out. 
he had six catches for 110 yards and a touchdown. That is how you go back and stick it to your old team for not paying you the money that you think you deserve. And he has been a very clutch performer for the Buffalo Bills. He has been that guy in the slot, the security blanket for Josh Allen in his time of need. And lately he has got open for some very big plays downfield and Josh Allen is finding him. That has been absolutely incredible to watch. Both him and John Brown have been absolutely huge upgrades for the Buffalo Bills and is a big reason why the Bills are now 9-3. and We're going to move on to the defense and talk about, yes, the, the defense, they gave up a lot of yards in this game, but they clamped down when they needed to. They allowed just 15 points in this game. They had one blocked field goal. Uh, there was another missed field goal, but Overall, the defense played very, very well, especially went their backs up against the wall. They forced Dallas to go for it on a fourth down play. Uh, you know, didn't get it over to Ezekiel Elliott to, uh, you know, to essentially that kind of won the, I don't want to say that won the game for the Buffalo Bills. They were well ahead at that point, but that really secured the victory there. Again, they gave up a lot of yards, but they didn't give up a lot of points. And that is what matters most. Star Latulale got a lot, has been getting a lot of flack from the Buffalo Bills fans, but I got to tell you, in this game, even though he didn't have any tackles, he made two monster plays in this game. The first monster play, the Dallas Cowboys drive down the field, they get in field goal range, and Star Latulale just this is just before halftime, mind you. Star Latulale gets his his hand up and gets a piece of the field goal kick. essentially pushing it wide to the left. That was a huge play that could have made it 13-10 going into halftime, but instead it was 13-7 going into halftime. An absolutely big play by Star Latulale. Another big play by Star was that Dallas tried to set up a screen pass. Star read it very well, got in the way. He did juggle the ball, which gave me a mini heart attack but he was able to secure the ball and come down with the interception. That was a big play for the Buffalo Bills. Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. Let me say it one more time. Ed Oliver. He is starting to look like the ninth overall pick in the draft. He is starting to look like the dominant force pass-rushing defensive tackle that everyone said he was going to be. It took him a little bit longer than most people thought, but in this game, he showed up. He pressured Dak Prescott several times. He got two sacks, and he had a forced fumble, which was recovered by Trent Murphy and gave the Bills possession an absolutely huge play by Ed Oliver, and he continues his good play over the last several weeks. Another player that has come on of late and has played very, very well, in my opinion, this year, Shaq Lawson. He has had a very good year this year, and before this year, I did say that he was a player to watch. The Bills did not pick up his fifth-year option, so this was going to be his last year potentially in Buffalo. He was going to be a free agent, and he needed a big year to come out and 
really perform to get a good contract. And I think that he has earned it. I think the Bills would be wise in this defensive scheme to sign Shaq Lawson to a few more years at very least because he has earned it this last year. Even if he doesn't get the sacks, he is very strong against the run. And lately, he has actually started to pressure the quarterback more and more and more. And it is absolutely awesome to watch. The Bills defense held Ezekiel Elliott in check, at least rushing the ball, in my opinion. He had just 12 carries for 71 yards, and it forced the Cowboys to pass the ball more. The Bills offense and defense forced the Cowboys to pass the ball more and get away from running with Ezekiel Elliott. And I think that is what helped shift the momentum in the game over to the Buffalo Bills. Because if it has been shown, if you put the ball in Dak Prescott's hands, he will not win the game for you. That offense for the Cowboys needs to run through Ezekiel Elliott. And if they don't, the Cowboys stand a chance to lose the game. And they did. And the Bills scored 26 unanswered points after the Cowboys scored their first seven points. The Bills ripped off 26 unanswered and controlled the game. The Cowboys did score a late touchdown and got a two-point conversion, but that was essentially in garbage time as the game was more or less over because the Cowboys didn't have any timeouts at that point. But my goodness, what a complete game by the Buffalo Bills. It couldn't have come at a better time And it was fantastic to watch. My goodness, it made my Thanksgiving day so much better. I hope it made your Thanksgiving day so much better. I hope you you all got a, a chance to watch the game in its entirety because it was a good one. It was a fantastic game. Beautifully coached, beautifully played. Big plays by the offense, big plays by the defense. That is the type of complete game that can win you a lot of games in the NFL. On that note, that's going to do it for this segment. Stick around for the next segment as we're going to talk about the toughness and grittiness or lack thereof in the NHL and how I feel about the way the NHL is trending. So stick around. That that segment's going to be pretty fun. All right, let's jump right into segment two and talk about where the NHL is heading with the lack of toughness and grittiness and and, and overall uh, selfless play. And in my opinion, the NHL is really suffering, man. The NHL is really suffering. The NHL lately has just, it's been the last few years and, you know, fighting is going down. Big hits are going down, things like that. Physicality overall seems like it's going down. And it's a real shame. It's a real shame. Because those type of things, they get everybody going. It doesn't just get the fans excited, it gets the players excited. If you are the team that that guy gets hit, you guys get up and you, you bang the boards, man, what a big hit. If it's a guy that gets hit, man, it gets you, the, the team that gets the team of the guy that got hit, it gets them fired up and ready to go and, and ready to drive somebody else through the boards. It just, it gets the game going, it gets the fire going in all the players, it gets the emotion up. It gets the excitement up. It, it creates a buzz in the, the entire arena. And it's big hits, fights, the physicality, the pushing, the shoving, the chippiness in the games. It gets, it, it makes the atmosphere electric. 
And I think the NHL is really starting to miss this. It's becoming very robotic. When somebody chops your goaltender, nobody is is pushing them or, or telling them, if you do that again, I'm going to punch your teeth to the back of your throat. Nobody's doing these things in the NHL anymore, and it's becoming very robotic, very mechanical in nature. I get into several arguments on Twitter this past week, and it really got me going. It really got me thinking. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of likes with some of my, you know, with some of my tweets, and it, it, it it's a little bit of vindication. It makes me feel like I'm not alone out there, that I'm not alone in my opinion, that the way the NHL is going is really bad, and I, I really don't like it. But I've also gotten a lot of hate out there about, you know, the lack of physicality, the lack of toughness. You know, a lot of people are, are you know, they, they don't like enforcers. They don't like guys who are selfless and going out there and putting their body on the line for their team. They don't like guys that want to, you know, stand out there and, and, and duke it out like, you know, two men in a very civil manner. And then, you know, they, you, the, a lot of these incidents, they don't, they don't happen a lot more. And, and a lot of people say, oh, well, if you have more of these guys in the league, more of these incidents will happen more and more. No, they don't. At least not to the, the star players of teams, not to top six forwards. Maybe these guys are banging each other around, but they're not, they're not out there cross-checking star forwards. Because they know that they'll have to answer the bell if they do. And that really stops a lot of guys, a lot of you know guys who, who know that they can't be touched essentially from doing dirty plays. Example, you got a lot of NHLers when the lockout happens that go overseas and play where fighting is not allowed. And they come back and they say, oh my goodness, it is a different world over there. Without fighting in games, there's nobody to hold anybody in check. And, you know, fines and suspensions, oh, yeah, you know, it's all well and fine. But that's not going to stop somebody in the heat of the game. Physical punishment will stop somebody in the heat of the game. You know, nobody wants to get punched in the face. You get a slap on the wrist with a fine or, or, or you know, a two-game suspension. Oh, whoop-de-freaking-woo, whoop you know. I'm going to give you examples of what I mean about the lack of physicality, the lack of, of selflessness, and the lack of standing up for one another in games. In this year's NHL, in, in the past week, two weeks, we've had several incidences. You know, a couple of them I'm going to use, the Buffalo Sabres, obviously, this is a uh, Buffalo sports podcast. But the first one I'm going to use is Bertuzzo. Bertuzzo cross-checks Victor Arvidsson two times. Once, the first time it was, yeah, it, it wasn't a huge cross check, but it was a cross check, two minute penalty. It should have been a two minute penalty for sure. The second one, he you could tell Bartuzo is frustrated, so he cross checks Arvidsson again hard. Arvidsson is out four to six weeks with a with an upper body injury, four to six weeks, and guess what? Arvidsson is a top six forward. He has scored sixty points two times in this league. And he has had 15 points in 22 games this year. Top six forward. One of the better players on the Predators. And guess what? Nobody did anything at all. At all. Not in that game. Not, yeah, obviously, you know, and Bertuzzo got suspended for four games. But so what? You took out their best player for four to six weeks. Four to six weeks. And your player's going to be out, what? Maybe a week and a half, depending on how many games you have during that week. Is that satisfying to you? 
Does that seem like justice? People talk about, oh, suspend them longer. I don't think that's going to stop people. You're just going to be suspending everybody for everything. You go on on Twitter on it, it, for the NHL, and now every big hit, people are talking about, oh, you should suspend them. You you know, what a dirty hit that was. It's like, how about keep your freaking head up? How about go, don't cut to the middle of the ice? Whatever happened to that? People talk about, oh, he hit him from behind. How about put some putting some onus on the hit the, the guy getting hit? He turned at the last second and gets buried into the boards. It's not the guy hitting him who's already committed to the hit. It's not his fault. It's the guy who who is, I don't know, trying to draw a penalty. I don't know what the hell he's doing. Turns around and gets blasted from behind. In the NHL, instead of finishing a check, you now see guys rolling away from checks or circling up away and not finishing checks. That's horrible. It's horrible. It looks like bar league hockey with really talented guys. It's terrible and boring to watch. I'll give you an example. The Sabres won 5-2 on Sunday against Florida. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. There was no emotion in the game. The Sabres won 5-2. Oh, great. They, they scored five goals. It wasn't that exciting. It wasn't that exciting. Another example of the lack of toughness, greediness, and, and, and sticking up for your teammates. Kucherov low bridges Vladimir Sabotka during a game. No response, none by the Sabres. Nobody pushes Sabotka. Nobody goes chirps at Sabotka. Nobody does anything. No penalty, zero game suspension. Vladimir Sabotka out indefinitely with a knee injury. Is that satisfying to you? Is that satisfying? No penalty, no suspension, no fine, no nothing. Awful. It's awful. The league can't protect its players. The league can't protect its players. It has shown an inability to protect its players over a very long period of time. The players need to protect each other on the ice. Another example, Rasmus Dahlin, young defenseman, projected to be a superstar. He is struggling a little bit this year, but still one of the Sabres' top defensemen. Plays on the number one power play for the def- uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. Gets elbowed in the face by Eric Chernick. With Skinner standing right next to him. And Skinner throws his hands in the air. Like a, like a little school kid tattletaling. He hit me. How about instead of doing that, you go over to Chernick and you punch him in his face. You stand up for your teammate who just got elbowed. Drilled. He's bleeding on the ice and now he has a concussion. How about instead of looking for someone else to do it, how about you do it? You go out there and do it. Stop being soft. Handle your own business. Stick up for each other. I said this last year. I said this last year when Jack Eichel got buried by Zadorov after the whistle. Nobody should hit your star player like that. Nobody. And the Sabres' response was weak at best. The Sabres did respond in that instance, but it was weak at best. Nobody responded for Sabotka. Nobody responded for Dalin. And as a player, if something like that happens to you, my question, as you know, I, I've played sports all through my life. As a player, I would think to myself, man, these guys don't have my back. These guys, these guys don't care about me. 
They watched me get elbowed in the face and nobody did anything about it. Nobody went after him. Nobody slashed him, hacked him, punched him. Nobody spit at him. I don't know anything. Nobody did anything. They just skated by him. Chernick got two games, two game suspension. Rasmus Dahlin is out indefinitely with a concussion. Two games. Joke. Stand up for your teammates. If I'm Rasmus Dahlin, why would I come back and put my body on the line and and give that little bit extra and go all out, maybe blocking a shot, throwing a hit, digging hard back when I don't have a lot of gas left to try to break up a play? Why would I do that? Why? For guys that don't care about me? Guys that aren't going to stick their necks out for me? I'm going to stick my neck out for them? No. Awful. Terrible. People ask, well, what does it do for a team anyway if, you know, if somebody goes after him? You know what it does? It galvanizes a team. It brings the guys together. It fires everybody up. It it makes other players want to go out there and give a little bit extra. It puts electricity into your team is what it does. It shows that you're not going to be pushed around, that you're not just going to sit there and take it. You're not going to get bullied. You got to stand up to bullies is what you need to do. And the Sabres don't do it. And it's awful. It's terrible to watch. And a lot of teams don't do it. It's horrible to watch. I used to I used to make it a point to watch the NHL. And not just the Sabres, but more. And any NHL game that was on TV, I made it a point to watch it. And now, I still watch the NHL, obviously. But it's not, you know, if I miss a game, okay. I'm not that upset about it. Maybe some of it has to do with the Sabres being freaking terrible and have been for the last five years. I'm sure that's got something to do with it. But even when the Sabres were 9-2-2, you know, there's not there's there's one memorable game in the Sabres' first few months. It's when they beat the Devils 7-2. But guess what? It wasn't just the goals. It was the big hits in that game and the fight that got the arena. It made the arena erupt. It sent electricity through everyone. Everyone played with energy. When things like that happen, everyone starts to play out of character. And by that, I mean, you know, players do things that they wouldn't normally do. I'll give you an example. The Sabres had each other's back, you know, in the early 2000s. The Sabres are, are, are playing against the Ottawa Senators. Chris Jury comes in over the line, rips a shot, it goes wide. Chris Neal comes in, late hit, high hit on Chris Drury, knocks him down, essentially, you know, makes Drury hit his face on the ice. You know who stepped up in that play? Drew Stafford. Drew Stafford has got maybe five to ten fights in his entire NHL career, and he stood up and dropped the gloves with Chris Neal. Chris Neal is one tough SOB, and Drew Stafford didn't back down, and that was awesome. It showed Chris Drury that his teammates are going to have his back no matter what happens, no matter in any situation, and it it makes guys want to run through walls for each other. And not only that, but on the very next play, the coach, Lindy Ruff, realizes, man, that could be bad. It could show that we will get pushed around. He throws out Adam Mayer, Patrick Coletta, and Andrew Peters on the next whistle, and guess what? They go after Ottawa. And we have a line brawl. And the place was electric and it was fired up and it was fun to watch. It was awesome. It was one of the it, it was one of the more memorable games in my mind. Awesome to watch. 
You don't have that in the NHL anymore. There's no mem- there's no memorable games in the NHL anymore. None. And people, here's another thing. People say, oh, well, you know, guys get concussions fighting and this and that and this and that. Oh, how about some CTE? Not every time you get hit in the head does it cause you to have a concussion. And not every time, you know, a guy gets a concussion, he's guaranteed CTE. Come on, people. Do some freaking research. I'll quote Ice Guardians. They have the, the neurologist in, 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 the, in the documentary Ice Guardians. Guess what? Like 95% of concussions comes from body checks. Do you want to ban body checks in the NHL too? You want to have roller hockey? Is that what you guys want? That's terrible. It's like an all-star game. Every game, all season for 82 games. There's a reason nobody watches the all-star game. There's a reason they had to change the format from 5-on-5 to 3-on-3. Because it was terrible to watch. It wasn't exciting. After a while, dangles and stick handling and, and passing and all that, it's fun to watch for a little bit, but it gets boring without the rest of it. Scoring and skill is only a piece of what makes hockey great. People also say, hey, they shouldn't fight for your entertainment. Oh, that's a real terrible outlook. Isn't that the whole point? The whole point is to entertain the fans. That's the whole point. If fans aren't entertained, why would they spend money to come back to watch your team play? You're going to lose a lot of fans that loved hockey in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. You're going to lose all those fans. Instead of trying to get this out of the game, I'm not saying go back to the 60s and 70s and and whatnot, you know, where you had bench-clearing brawls all the time. I'm not saying that. But you got to have grittiness. You got to have toughness. You got to have excitement. You got to have energy and emotion in games. And in most games, there's not. There's nothing. It's just up and down, back and forth, you know, dangling, stick handling. It's like, an, like I said, it's like an all-star game. Fun for a little while, but it gets boring after a while. People also don't realize goals and skill are only a very, I don't say very small. Goals and skill are only a portion of what has made hockey great. It's only a portion of what made hockey my favorite sport. There's more to hockey than just goals and skill. There's physical play, grittiness, toughness, fights, standing up for each other. All that made hockey great. It made hockey great and it made it exciting and fun because you never knew at any game the, the, the powder kid could, could explode and you would have a full-on line brawl or you'd have a couple of fights. You'd have guys that really disliked each other on the ice going at it. It made for fun rivalries. When Toronto comes to Buffalo, the only thing that makes it a rivalry is the fact that half the arena, more than half the arena, is Leafs fans. That's the only thing that makes it intense. Other than that, it's just two weak-ass teams Skating up and down the ice. Nobody hits. Nobody fights. Back in the day, Toronto and Buffalo was awesome to watch. Awesome to watch. Hits, fights, goals. All of it. So much fun. The NHL is going in a direction where it's only cares about offense and nothing else. And that's sad. Because after a while, people will get bored. That's my take on where where the NHL is going and and how I really feel about it. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at SportstalkBuff1. You can email me at SportstalkBuffalo at Yahoo.com. 
or you can leave me a voice message right here on anchor.com. If you are listening to this podcast on anchor and I could potentially put you in a show. I want to say thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. And remember, if you like what you hear, tell your friends and your family. You guys have a good week.